0: has seen The Christmas Story, or A Christmas Story. Have you seen that movie? It's one of my favorites, right? How many can quote it, like almost word for word? You Come to our house, and uh, you, get, you get quotes all day long. Everything's quoted from The Christmas Story. It's a classic. Um, it didn't do well when it first came out, if you didn't know that. It kind of flopped. But as time went by, it became more and more popular until now, beginning at 8 p.m. next Sunday evening, it will be shown for 24 hours straight on TBS, so you can just watch it again and again. Um, yeah, it's, it's a story, if you haven't seen it, it's a story of Ralphie, a nine-year-old boy who has his sights set on the ultimate Christmas gift, a Red Ryder 200-range shot model air rifle. He says it several times. And throughout, throughout the movie, he schemes in an effort to receive this ultimate Christmas gift. But everyone keeps saying what to him? You'll shoot your eye out. out. He has hilarious daydreams of the adventures he's going to have with his trusty blue steel beauty. Now the story is popular, I think. This is my thought. Because we all have that story, don't we? Of the ultimate Christmas gift. Do you remember as a kid that gift that you got to open? That, That gift that made your eyes light up. Hopefully you all have that story and it helps you identify with Ralphie. Um, So I ask you, what did you ask for? And and if you're comfortable to share, what what was your ultimate gift? Um, um, A BB gun. gun. All right. Yeah. A railroader's pocket watch? watch? Yeah. Yeah, You got it. (laughs) And look at that smile, still beaming (laughs) brightly. I won't ask how many years ago. I won't do that to you, but probably when you were little. Forty-five. 40. You were 45? No. Oh, no, 45. <laughs> Anyone else have that gift? Box, 20-gay, Remington shotgun shells. So we have a BB gun, shotgun shells, and a bow and arrow. <laughs> it's fun at your house, isn't it? Yeah. You didn't get your pony, and she's not the least bit bitter about it. It's like that, like that commercial where the guy looks out his window, have you seen it? I think it's Mercedes, I don't know. He looks out his window every morning as a kid to see, and finally as an adult he sees it, and he has that moment. The ultimate Christmas gift. I wanted a Nintendo, the one from 1985. Uh, I begged and pleaded for four years before I finally opened that up at around the age of nine, and... Uh, yeah, I got it. I finally had the ultimate gift and there was dancing and there was rejoicing. Um, it's caught on film somewhere. <laughs> and uh, my parents never saw me again for days after that. More dancing, More dancing and rejoicing for them, maybe. Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't thought about what their experience was to give that gift. Uh, as a parent now, I kind of understand. What we want to give those gifts. It's exciting to watch your children dance with joy. And I find, uh, you know, it, Christmas is a good thing. Giving gifts is a good thing. Now, there's a balance of stewardship, right? Uh, excess and, and giving good gifts. And uh, certainly, it's hard to do sometimes to keep that balance. But I wonder what it was like for my parents. I mean, maybe they did dance. I didn't know. I was up in Duck Hunt or wherever. I was, I was in another land, you know. Got my, my, it was a handgun. It wasn't a shotgun. But... Uh, I can tell you at the time the last thing on my mind was what they thought, but we call God Father. Scripture calls God both mother and father. In God, we have a parent, I guess is the point, who wants to give his children good things, wants to see us dance for joy. In God, we find a parent who wants to bless her children with life abundantly, eternal life, life with God. Who wants to see us dance, I think? Yeah? And God gave Mary and Elizabeth that gift 2,000 years ago, and we, we shared that story in our scripture today. Mary received word that she is carrying the Son of God, and she immediately runs to her cousin, who has been told that she is carrying a special child as well. And so our response of Mary today, and this is a picture of it, of Elizabeth and Mary, and there are, there are at least four people in that picture, if you can make them out, consider who Mary and Elizabeth carry, and you'll see them there, reaching out for one another. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat icon, um, it's, it's pretty famous, and I picture God rejoicing with them. Um, Mary was far too young to be with the child, yet she was. Elizabeth was far too old, yet she was. And God invited them into an adventure that would change the world and have us telling their story 2,000 years later. And I sometimes take that for granted, that we're here telling their story. They're normal people, right? That would be a gift for her people, their people then, and a gift for people now, for us today. There are three parts to the gift of Jesus that is celebrated by Mary, and what they call the Magnificat, which is a Latin. It's the Latin phrase that you find at the beginning of what she says: "I rejoice in the Lord's uh, majesty, His magnificence. I magnify the Lord's name." And you know, at first listen, we may wonder if we're actually prepared for the gift. Okay, in our faith today, we understand that the Holy Spirit is within us, working with us to prepare us for the gift of Jesus. I've heard it said that this faith is not about us getting into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us, and we have a choice to accept it or not. So let's consider the three ways that Mary recognizes this gift. The first, as she says, God has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. To Mary, Jesus is the death of pride and the birth of true innocence. Christ is the light of the world. It's the language we use. Reveals things as they are, and the gift of Jesus brings what Simeon tells Mary in just a short while, that there will be a sword which pierces her soul. That's strange language, isn't it? The idea of the sword for Christ is division of good and bad, of truth and not truth. Uh, we're given the means through Jesus to sort out our lives, to know what's right and what's wrong. We find the light within us to reveal to us a better way to live and then the offer for us to follow it. We have a choice, don't we? We long for Christ because we want better. Isn't that why you're here today? Uh, and God's promise is fulfilled through the presence of Jesus in our souls as a sword that speaks truth, that turns on the light. When we're making decisions and choices, if we turn to God and actively engage God in conversation uh, with the Holy Spirit through prayer, both both talking and listening helps, uh, we will be given the wisdom of Jesus Christ. That's a promise. And we will know good from bad, uh, sometimes that comes through the collective body of the church, because we have to lean on, upon one another, right? The Spirit's present here in a way that's unique, that it will never be on our own. The Quakers have a practice, which is quite interesting. If you have a tough decision to make, all right, just picking you out, Dawson, if you have a tough decision to make, maybe it's, where do I go to school, or maybe it's, what do I do with my life, or, or maybe a particular circumstance you're not sure what to do, you might if you're a part of the Quaker church, select some people from the congregation to sit around you and ask you questions. They're not allowed to give you advice, but they're allowed to ask you good questions, the right questions, questions for you to think through and with the presence of the Spirit come to realize where God might be calling you. It's a neat practice, isn't it? It's really hard to listen and ask questions and not give advice or give loaded questions. We uh, we did this in my undergrad, and I never mastered that. I always had kind of a, a loaded thing in the question. We do... Any of you experience this from a loved one? No, do it. You do... Okay. You do it. You're not lifting up and saying, yes, it's done to you. Okay, good. Yeah. Only questions. Because it helps a person get to the matter in their soul to distinguish the way the sword is sorting things out, the way the light is turning things on. And with the gift of Jesus, Mary declares that the moral revolution has begun and we will know right from wrong. What a gift. The second gift, as Mary puts it, God has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. This is a social revolution. William Barclay tells the story of a wandering scholar of the Middle Ages named And in, in an Italian town, Muratus took ill and was taken to a hospital for the poor and the homeless because he was a wanderer. The doctors were discussing his case in Latin, uh, never dreaming, he could understand it, and they suggested that since he was a worthless wanderer, they might use him for medical experiments. He looked up and answered them in their own learned tongue, call no one worthless to whom Christ died. For Barclay, when we have realized that Christ died for all people, and let that soak in, for all people, it's no longer possible to speak about a common human being with Christ the social grades are gone there are many groups of people in our world who are still regarded as less than maybe not by oral title maybe we don't voice it but we can look at how people are treated women particularly girls around the globe are abused used trafficked and degraded in alarming rates and it doesn't take much research to, to see this people of color are still fighting for their full freedom everywhere in some areas, Christians fight for the right to live and go to church. In other areas, Muslims fight for their right to live and go to mosque. The lower and middle classes are still being asked to support the upper class. There are still refugees of war with no place to go. The poor, the weak, the have-nots, they're not regarded as priority for our society. Kind of bleak, isn't it? God began the destruction of separation of power and prestige in the womb of a very young teenage girl. Unwed, pregnant, shamed, the daughter of a priestly line who grew up in the backwater town of Nazareth. God started the revolution there. With the presence of Jesus Christ, the social revolution is begun in the ever-growing population of the church. We represent one-third of the world, folks. That's pretty. That's not bleak, is it? That's good news. It means if we lined everybody up in a one line across the entire planet, you could reach out to your left and right and hold the hand of someone who, who doesn't know Christ. And if every Christian did that, everyone would know Christ. That's not coincidence, I don't think. And yet, here we have Mary recognizing this, and she sang with joy. The third gift, as Mary sings it, is that God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. It's a great reversal of the world's ways, yes? And this is a common theme in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, You could look at a society without Jesus, and you'll see one where everyone works to amass as much as possible for themselves. A non-Christian society provides opportunity for every person to focus on building themselves up without taking the time or asking people to look out for one another. A Christian society is one where no person dares to have too much while anyone has too little. A society with Jesus is one where people, as John Wesley puts it, where they earn all they can, they save all they can, And they give all they can. I'm pretty good at the first two. Are you with me? Uh, Where people receive only to give away. I know a strange notion for our world today. It is. But a notion made reality with the gift of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the beginning of the economic revolution. Interesting thing about Mary's proclamations of her gifts Um, she's, she's talking about the Messiah that grows in her womb. And she doesn't sing of things that will happen. There's no future language in Mary. She sings of things that have already happened. For Mary, the promise is so guaranteed that it's as good as done. She and Elizabeth dance and sing for the joy of the promise which God has made a reality in their children. They're receiving the gift of God before it has even been born. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of faith I look up to. Now They are dancing for joy long before Christmas morning, long before they've opened that ultimate Christmas gift. Um, Because they know the ultimate Christmas gift is already a reality, God's promise. God fulfills His promises. Amen? That is the good news, and the promise is fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. So here we are today, you and I, in Darlington, or wherever you hail from, wherever you work, wherever you spend your time, wherever you do your hobbies, and I ask you, is our world perfect? I mean, no, right? We're adamant. No, no. Is our world structured for the sake of the proud? Yeah. Is our world structured for the sake... Of the powerful? Is our world structured for the sake of the rich? Hear this, friends Jesus Christ brings the promise of God to life within us. Or, as some talk about these stories, we're all impregnated with the Christ within. Do we dance for joy? Are you ready to receive the gift to give up pride, power, and the thirst for money? Are you ready to live a life which reflects a commitment to the leading of Jesus Christ as a sword which pierces your soul? To make a renewed commitment today to live rightly. Are you ready to actively work to see all people as precious gifts of God? To give of yourself for the sake of those in need? Now the Christmas season lends itself to this kind of thinking. And it's no accident. Yes, retail stores have made it about buying gifts, and we see commercials all day long, and there's nothing wrong with buying gifts. Everything's good in moderation. But this season is also about giving. You're probably being asked by a lot of people to give for charity, for lending of a helping hand, because that's what the season is about. There is another gift made available through the coming of Jesus Christ, There's another reality that's made available for us here and now. And this gift outlasts all others. Do you know what it is? It's the joy that God offers us if we believe. If you believe that what's carried there, what's carried here, fulfills God's promise. So let us dance for joy. Let us sing for the joyous work that God has already done through the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we all carry. Are you with me? Amen.